If not, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. While I give you a moment to turn over to Galatians chapter 5, I want to read just a couple of verses in Romans chapter 8, and then I'll join you over in Galatians chapter 5. But Romans 8, beginning at the first verse, says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit." For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Listen to verse 6 of Romans chapter 8. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. As we begin today, I want to ask you a question. I want each of you to take a moment and think of the most spiritual person you know. The most spiritual person that you know. And as you get that someone in mind, I want you to think about what makes them spiritual. Each of you probably had somebody that came to mind of, of who it is that you think is most spiritual in your life or that you know. What is it that makes them the most spiritual person that you know? Maybe it's things that come to mind in how they worship. Maybe there's somebody who sings or, or testifies and they're filled with the Spirit or they're, they're a shouter. There's someone that shouts and when they get filled up with the Spirit. And those are all good things. Maybe it's somebody who demonstrates their spirituality in their prayer life. They are devoted in prayer, which is a good thing. Maybe it's just how they spend their life and their commitment to the Scriptures, that they are devoted and and dedicated in their studying of the Bible, which is also another good thing. But those are all outward expressions of being spiritual. So I ask again, what makes that person that came to your mind spiritual? Now let me ask that question in a different way. How would you define define what it is to be spiritual? How would you define what it is to be spiritual? At its simplest, as best as I can tell, that being spiritual means to be affected by the Spirit of God. Being spiritual means that you are affected by the Spirit of God. If you've been saved by God's grace, every one of us understands what it is to have been affected by the Spirit of God. The book of Romans, Paul tells us clearly that the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We say often, how will you know? We'll tell a lost person who says, how will I know when I get saved? What do we tell them? You'll know. Why do we say that? Because the Spirit is the one who gives us the assurance of salvation. We have a witness in the Spirit that we indeed are saved. So we understand what it is then to be affected by the Spirit. 
What we're going to see here in the book of Galatians follows just after what we read over in Romans chapter 8, which you'll recall last week we read prior to that in Romans chapter 7 concerning the law and concerning flesh and grace. We talked about all of those things. And now Paul continues to elaborate on them, talking about a life that is lived after the Spirit, to walk after the Spirit. Read with me in Galatians chapter 5. We'll begin reading at verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, we'll read down into the first verse of the 6th chapter. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would do. But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Listen to verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another or envying one another. Brethren, going down into chapter 6, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We'll stop right there uh, into chapter 6 in the first verse. Paul is, is making clear of a calling that is upon the life of the believer to walk after the spirit in which you've been called. That we would in fact be spiritual. Now the reality is, is, we went through that exercise earlier when every one of you would have had somebody come to mind about the most spiritual person that you know, that you had all these outward expressions that made you realize they were spiritual. But the reality of their life is that those outward expressions are of a direct impact by the rest of their life. Somebody that has an outpouring of the Spirit on their life, it is indicative that they spend time with the Spirit of God from day to day. That there's an outpouring when they come to worship, or there's an outpouring in how they would study, or an outpouring of how they would pray. But the reality is that God's Spirit is affecting them and moving upon their life day to day. I ask you, does God's Spirit affect you day to day? When you're outside these walls, are you feeling the Spirit of God and its effect in your life from day to day? Do you see the working of God in your life as you go about working and going to school and all those things you do from Sunday to Sunday? Do you see the effect of God in your life? If we go back, we examine even the Old Testament saints, we examine the New Testament saints, what there is is a clear through line of how God works in His people. We see David, a man after God's own heart. We see how Paul, after he was saved, he he made it a decision in his life and he made it a point that he was going to follow after Christ. 
And he had an experience that was so great that whether it meant that he was going to be shipwrecked or he was going to be beaten, whether he was going to be imprisoned and ultimately killed, he had devoted his life to the Spirit of God. And it was affecting him day by day. Are you devoted? Are you walking after the Spirit? What is it that governs your life? Now, Paul recognized, being in the flesh like we are, that there are these two contrary natures in the believer. You see, if you've been saved by God's grace, we talked about last week, you've been set free from the law. And having been set free from the law, then we understand what it is to be able to serve after the Lord. If you've been saved by God's grace, God's Spirit dwells in you. Paul told the Galatians that just a little bit earlier on in this book, in his letter. That the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. We see elsewhere that Paul told the Ephesians that the church becomes the, the, the dwelling place, becomes, becomes the habitation of God. That God's Spirit dwells with His people. Isn't that what we saw that took place on the day of Pentecost? Jesus had promised, He, he told the disciples, He said, it is, it is to your benefit. You are have an advantage. It's expedient if I go away. He, why? He said, because if I go away, I will send a comforter to you. And lo, wouldn't you know that about a week after He had ascended unto the Father, behold, all those disciples, His apostles as they would be, they were gathered in the upper room there in Jerusalem, and suddenly a sound came as a mighty rushing wind, and the Spirit filled the room that they were in, and it indwelled them. And Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, and he began to preach, and thousands of souls were saved. The Spirit and its effectiveness has continued every, ever since then. And it continues today that God's Spirit is indwelling in His people. <laughs> Your body is the dwelling place of God. Isn't that awesome? Maybe I ought to treat mine a little bit differently than I do. <laughs> God has chosen to dwell with us in His Spirit. How blessed are we to live in such an age as this one that God's Spirit has chosen to dwell with men. We have His presence among us wherever we go. Do you walk after the Spirit? Now, I was getting to a point. Paul recognized that there was these two natures about us. And if you've been saved by God's grace, you continue to, to have this fleshly side of you that desires after the things of the flesh. And he said that being saved, then you have also this spiritual side of you which desires after the things of the Spirit. And he says these two things are contrary to one another. You ever seen things that are contrary to one another? What do you say about them? They can't exist together. You say these two things just can't get along. One time we had one, a couple of goldfish at the fair and these goldfish were contrary to one another. They couldn't live together. They would mess with each other all the time. We eventually had to get rid of them. Because that's what you do with goldfish that you went at the fair. <laughs> but they're contrary. These two things just could not stay in the same place. So it is with spirit and flesh as it would govern your life. Listen to me. If you are governed by the things of the flesh, do not be surprised when the Spirit of God is not affecting you. Let me say that again. 
If your life is governed after the flesh, do not be surprised when the Spirit of God is not affecting you. I hear a lot of people say sometimes, you know, it just seems like the church isn't as spiritual as it used to be. That's because God's people are much more carnal than they used to be. If you want to see the working of the Spirit of God, live according to the Spirit. Paul felt so convicted of this. As led by the Spirit of God, he began to identify the works of the flesh. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on these. It's not my desire, my purpose today, but I do want to to look at some of them for the the sake of, of what Paul says. He's told us these are the works of the flesh. These are what we see working according to the flesh. And he names adultery. And he names fornication. And he goes on and he names uncleanness and lasciviousness. All of these are sexual sins. And some say, well, you know, I'm not doing any of these grievous things. I'm not going out on my wife or going out on my husband. And, you know, I'm trying to keep myself from marriage and all of these things. I want you to hear what he said. Yes, he named fornication. And yes, he named adultery. But he talked about lasciviousness. All of these sexual immoralities that are not right and are according to the flesh and not according to the Spirit. Is your life characterized by sexual immorality and lust? If so, you're not walking according to the Spirit. He goes on, he says, idolatry, witchcraft, variance, that strife and, and contentions that would be created, creating disagreements and discord. I was t- talking with a, a sister earlier today. Wasn't any of you, but I'll just leave it like that for the nameless. But I was talking with a sister earlier today and she was telling me about an experience she had and the reality of it was what I saw in it was that the point in the matter was just to have discord between two sisters. Not to just say, hey, that's great and be able to move on. But instead we have these petty disagreements that we create. Those petty disagreements that take place in the life of the believer, number one, they are not according to the Spirit, but they are according to the flesh, and they take place because of our own pride and selfishness about how we feel about situations. Most of the time, our disagreements just come down to preferences. And what did Paul tell us about preferences? That we in honor would prefer one another. That means that we submit ourselves one to another. To live by the Spirit is to say, you know what, that may not be my preference, but I'm good with it. I love when I meet that brother or that sister. He says, you know what, I can get along with it. So long as you love the Lord and I love the Lord, we're going to get along just fine. That is to live by the Spirit. But to live by the flesh is to have these strifes and contentions and disagreements and discord. He goes on and he says, being jealous or selfish in your ambition. I'm, I'm defining some of these words as I go here. He talks about dissensions and heresies, envyings and murders, drunkenness and gluttony. And he says, and these other sins of the flesh that you've been taught before, but are not characteristic of those who have been affected by the Spirit. All of these things that Paul has named here in the book of Galatians should not be characterized among the people of God. 
Do we war with the flesh? Yes, we do. Do we continue to dwell in this body of sin? Yes, we do. Will it be then from time to time that we struggle with sin? Yes, we will. But if your life is characterized by these sins, Paul makes it clear that shall none inherit the kingdom of God. If your life is characterized by these sins, you need to make your calling and election sure. Why? Because according to your life and the deeds that you continue to commit, according to the flesh, you are not saved. You see that? That's what Paul's saying. He says, none of these. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the negative. But Paul doesn't here stay on the negative. He moves on to the positive. You say, well, Derek, that's great. You told me what not to do according to the flesh. I got it. But but what does it mean to be spiritual? Paul tells us. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the way that you know that you've been infected by the Spirit of God is these things. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering. That is, patience. Being slow to anger with your brothers and with your sisters. Being kind. Being generous. Being faithful. I want to say something about that. Being faithful. Your life, if you've been saved by God's grace, should be marked with consistency. It should be steady. I worry a lot of times when I see a believer whose life just seems to go from one drama to the next drama. The reason why I worry about that is I say, you know, our our lives, we're supposed to be peacemakers. And if drama is following after a peacemaker, then you're not doing (laughs) your job right. (laughs) We are to be peacemakers. I love watching some of the teenagers. Because what they'll come and they'll be all torn up because there's some drama going on in their life of their friends. I've seen these experiences with different young sisters and different young brothers. And they'll say, you know, there's just all this drama going on in this friend group or in that friend group. And I'll ask them and I'll say, well, how do you feel about it? And they'll say, well, I just try to stay out of it. Or they'll say, I really miss my friend, but I can't be a part of that crowd that she's involved with now. And it blesses me when I hear those things. Why? Because they have seen to it that what is of greater value in life is to walk after the Spirit, even if that means forsaking friends. That is so difficult for a young believer to come to reason with. Young people, listen, I understand and I know, believe me, I know how challenging that thing is. To have to deal with those friends that you know what they're involved in. You know the drama that follows them. And you know to separate yourself from them. But they're your friend. And you care about them. And I know how challenging it is to lose friends. But if you choose to walk after the Spirit, if you choose to walk with the greatest friend you'll ever have in Christ Jesus, you'll be blessed for it. Scripture makes it clear. It says, "Do be." It says, "Be not deceived." And I might misquote this a little bit, but go with me here. It says, "Be not deceived." But it, I'll, I'll paraphrase a little bit. It says that bad company corrupts good manners. What's that mean? 
It means that if you surround yourself with people that aren't good, you're going to find yourself to not be good too. Bad company corrupts good manners. You should be considerate of who you surround yourself with. You want to be spiritual? Surround yourself with spiritual people. You want to be godly? Surround yourself with godly people. I, I think I mentioned here previously, my, my wife and I have come into some contact with some different people here over the last couple of months through, through some homeschooling activities and things like that. And man, it, it just blesses me when I'm around people that it just seems that their hearts are after the Lord. Where it's nothing for them to say, we need to stop and pray. Or it's nothing for them to say, you know what, I want to hear about what's going on in your life. I like being around people that are concerned about the Spirit of God. Surround yourself with those people. I was telling Tiffany, I said, you know, a lot of these people that, that I've been around, I say, I just want to have them all come to faith because I think they just fit right in. We'll talk more about those things in just a second. He goes on and he says, gentleness. That is being courteous. Having consideration for one another. And then he goes on and he talks about self-control. Are you living according to the Spirit? He's named all these things that are indicative of a life that's lived according to the flesh. And now He names all these things that are indicative of a life that's lived according to the Spirit. Go through those lists and just just score yourself. How are you doing? Are you living according to the flesh or are you living according to the Spirit? What I have found is that when we ask ourselves this question, what does it mean to be spiritual? How do you define being spiritual? What we wrestle with in that is that all we see are the outward expressions. But make no mistake, those outward expressions are just manifestations of the effect of the Spirit inside, day to day, on the believer who spends time after the things of God. This morning we heard Sister Karen stand up and and testify about her knowledge of being saved. How it transcends. She can't confirm anything else. She can't break any news. But what she can confirm is that she's been saved by God's grace. And we will look to that and we say, what a wonderful spiritual testimony. That spiritual testimony is an expression of the Spirit affecting a sister who spends time with God. If all week you've gone and you've not prayed, all week you've gone and you've not involved yourself in spiritual things, do not be expecting that suddenly you're going to walk into the church house and the Spirit is going to move through you. These are reasonable expectations. We are called not merely to live by the Spirit, but over in the book of Colossians, Paul tells us to crucify or to mortify, to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Isn't that what we did when we got saved? I want you to think about that very moment that God spoke peace to your soul. When you came to fully trust in Christ for salvation, What took place was that there were these dual things happening all at once. You trusted and you repented. That's what the Scripture says. To repent and believe the Gospel. 
And what it means to repent is that you renounce, you turn away from, you put those former deeds of the flesh and you do away with them and trusting after Christ entirely for salvation. You put all of those things to death that you might experience a new birth in Christ Jesus. We then are told that we would constantly and consistently find ourselves mortifying the deeds of the flesh, repenting over the deeds of the flesh, and each time growing deeper and deeper and deeper in our trust of the Lord. Are you continuing to repent? Are you continuing to desire after the Spirit of God? Getting saved is not a checkbox. In life, I've done that. I'm good now. That's not what being saved is. Being saved starts a walk with the Spirit of God day by day. One that continues until the moment that you would take your last breath and enter into the presence of God for all eternity. Are you spiritual? Why is this so important? There's a reason why I read down into the first verse of the sixth chapter. Paul is writing and continue, he's continuing this in the same manner, but he's now writing about a very specific purpose. And he says, brethren, he says, if any man, if anyone among you find themselves to be caught up in some sin, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest also thou be tempted. Paul has placed a maturity level, a spiritual level, an expectation on those who are able to perform the work of the church concerning how it is that we would deal with those that find themselves in some sin. And the reality is, is that if somebody finds themselves dealing with some sin, I'm not going to expect us to send the the children among us to go out and to be able to talk to them. Why? That would be unreasonable. They are themselves not mature in their spiritual walk with the Lord. And that being the case then, why would I expect them to be able to go and be effective in dealing with some sin? Here's what I'm trying to say. Parents, Your children look to you for spiritual guidance. And if your life is not one that is consistently teaching your children how to be spiritual, do not be surprised when they themselves do not exhibit those things that are spiritual. You want to raise children for the kingdom? You want to raise children that are spiritual? You want to raise children that are profitable to the church, that are effective in the church, that work for the church, that serve after the church, exhibit spirituality spirituality in their life day by day. I want to deal with another thing. Have you ever heard somebody say this? They'll say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. You ever heard somebody say that? That's a really popular thing for people about my age and younger to say. And I understand what they're saying when they say that. The reality of what they're saying is that they don't like the ideas of, of, of restrictions that come with, with, with religion or restrictions that would come with some denomination or those types of things. They feel like it's bound in. And so they say religion bad, but being spiritual is good. But the concerning thing about that statement is that they have res- kind of 
classified spirituality as some mystic idea concerning some way to elevate your level of thinking or elevate your ability to, to be godly by being spiritual and not religious. All religion is is some way to discipline yourself concerning the beliefs that you have in the first place. I am proud to be missionary Baptist. Why? Because that label, that denomination, that religion, however you want to define it, is fine with me. Because what it means to me, what I understand it as, is these are the beliefs that shape my life. When I say I'm missionary Baptist, what I am saying to the world is there are these beliefs that I have adopted, that I hold to, that shape my life. And seeing that they shape my life, I live according to these things. I live according to the Spirit. Now, I didn't expect it to go this way, but just follow me for a second. Lord will bless. Lila's here praying. It's between her and the Lord. But she came out of Sunday school class and she gave me her little piece of paper from Sunday school. And the second question that was on that little piece of paper from Sunday school concerned decision making. And it asked, it had a scale from easy to difficult of how she was at making decisions. And she marked herself over on the very right that she found it very difficult to make decisions. We as Christians deal with making decisions every day, don't we? How does a Christian make decisions? A lot of you are going to leave here and you're going to say to the person you're with, you want something to eat? They're going to say, yes, I want something to eat. They're going to say, where do you want to go? And they're going to say, I don't know. Where do you want to go? And you're going to wrestle for about 10 minutes on making a decision just over where you're going to go eat. We struggle. Every You all understand, don't you? We struggle with decision making. Let me tell you something. This isn't going to help you decide on where to eat later, but it should help you in how you make decisions according to your life. I don't wrestle with decisions concerning things of the Lord when I have known, when I have placed these principles as guiding marks in my life. Let me give you one. When it comes to being at church on Sunday morning or being at church on Sunday night or being at church on Wednesday evening, we have made that the principle of our lives that we're going to be there. And nothing will come in front of that. And so we live according to it. When something comes up and they say, would you like to go do this? Or would your children like to be involved in this? Or this thing or that thing? We say no. Why? Because we have already made that decision according to the principles that we live by. Our principles that we live by according to the Scriptures say that we are not going to forsake the assembling of ourselves together and that we're going to honor and respect the Lord's house and we are going to be here with God's people every opportunity that presents itself. And according to that then, things of the world will not come over those things in the order of priority. And so that decision is already made. We don't have to wrestle with it. This past past two years, Mavericks played T-ball over here. And he'll have a practice or two on a Sunday morning. We don't wrestle whether or not he's going to be at T-ball practice that morning. We've already made the answer. The answer is no. That decision doesn't get made in that moment. That decision has already been made when Lila was born. Here's how we're going to live our life and the decisions that we're going to hold to with our children concerning their involvement in secular things. 
We have chosen to walk according to the Spirit instead of walking according to the flesh. Are you spiritual? How do you walk? What are the marks of your life? Now I read, and I'll try to close with this, I, I read as we open up today, or over in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, and I want to get back to that 6th verse. It says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you see the effect of the Spirit on your life? Is it evident in your relationships? Is it evident in how you work? Is it evident in how you pay attention in school? Is it evident in your relationships with your friends? Is it evident in your relationship with your children? Do you walk according to the Spirit? Do you walk after the Spirit? Paul, preceding that sixth verse here in Romans chapter 8, he said two times, he says, the first verse says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We go down to verse 4. And he says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. And finally he comes to verse 6 and he says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What we see then is that if you continue to live according to the flesh, you are going to inherit, you are going to receive a just reward according to the flesh, which we talked about last week, that the wages of sin is death. But if you walk according to the Spirit, what you are going to find is that life and peace and joy it begins to characterize your life. Why? Not because you somehow are just some great person, but instead, those fruits of the Spirit, the Spirit indwelling you and affecting you and working in you begins to be displayed in your life according to those fruits of the Spirit. that I love that Paul defined it the way that he did, or said it the way that he did. He didn't say that if you want to live for the Lord, love everybody and be joyous and have patience and self-control. That's not what he said. He said if you are walking after the Spirit, here's what you'll find. Here's the fruit of what that tree looks like. If you go out here, Bobby's apple trees. I think Rachel said they're not doing very well. <laughs> but if you go out to them, you're going to identify them how. You're not going to go up to an apple tree and see walnuts and say this must be an apple tree. You're not going to go up to that apple tree and see vines with grapes on it and say this must be an apple tree, are you? You're going to see it according to its fruit. Jesus, in the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, and the Sermon on the Mount, he talked extensively about this reality of what it is to be identified according to the fruit of your life. Is the fruit of your life according to your flesh, or is it according to the Spirit? Is there an effective work of the Spirit on your life? Are you spiritual? And Jesus said that His kingdom was not of this world. This was not what the Jews had expected. They were expecting that Jesus was going to come and set up an earthly kingdom. They were anticipating that the Roman government was going to be overthrown because Jesus was going to come and He was going to set up His own system of government where He was king. 
But Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not earthly as we would understand or identify kingdoms or political institutions, but His kingdom instead is far greater. And while we await His kingdom in heaven, I want you to know right now, His kingdom on earth is expressed through the church. It's expressed through these lively stones, through this spiritual body of people that has been assembled together, has been jointly framed together as the habitation of God, as the dwelling place of God. And we show forth to the world that we walk after the Spirit according to the fruit of our lives. I ask you a final time. Are you spiritual? Are you being affected by God's Holy Spirit day by day? Brother Brett, if you would, give us a song. What always worried me about hearing messages like this as I was a kid is what I realized is that no matter what was going on in my life, is that it was evident to the world around me, no matter how hard I tried to hide it, because they could see the absence of fruit in my life. They didn't have to see the presence of sin to realize that I wasn't walking after the Spirit. It wasn't necessary for them to see what I was trying to hide. They could see it by the absence of the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to know today, you might say, well, you know, I'm not caught up in any type of grievous sin. I'm not doing any of these things that we would say are scandalous or or those hallmarks of somebody who's just a no-good Christian at all. But are you spiritual? Are you producing fruit? Is the Spirit of God affecting you day by day? Let's stand, let's sing. Go ahead, Brother Brett.